And I thought I knew what multitasking was before a baby. Whole nother level. I saw something on Instagram the other day. I don't know if you've heard of the Honest Company, but they do baby stuff. And when you have a baby, you start following baby people. You just do. And they, they put all these inspirational quotes on there. And this one was like, I have mastered it. I figured out I can pretty much do anything with one hand. I'm like, that is true. I pretty much can do anything with one hand now. It's not advisable, but possible. So I like to consider myself an adventurous person. I, um, I like to, like, go camping and hiking and, I mean, when I say backpacking, I've done some minor backpacking. But I'll go, like, white water rafting or um, I've done mountain rappelling, like, upside down and things like of that nature. And then I married my husband, though, and he doesn't really like any of those things. So I haven't done anything like that in a really, really long time. But I was talking to somebody today, actually, um, who might do a zip line over or a portion of Niagara Falls. Have you heard of that? Yeah, like next level. I'm encouraging her to give it a shot, but we're going to pray for your protection because I don't want to encourage you, and then something bad, that would be very bad. But adventure. I love adventure. But I have a sister, Jackie, who likes adventure on a whole nother level. Like she makes my adventure seeking look anemic completely. I mean, she's done all sorts of things, kind of like underwater uh, cave diving, but just where you like hold your breath and go and whatever. She likes to fit into small spaces and do all these weird things. And she's actually a pretty normal person, but she went on this trip one time years ago, probably in her college days where, you know, you're always adventurous because you don't think anything can happen to you. So she was with a group of ladies and they all went on this backpacking trip a couple of days and they transversed this area. But the only thing they brought with them was what it is that they were gonna survive with. So they had their packs and they had a compass and they had each other and that was it. And so the whole point of this trip was like a pack it in, pack it out, survivalist sort of trip. So over a couple of days, they would walk to their new destination. They would camp, eat, do whatever. I mean, they'd suck the juice out of the tuna fish cans and they would pack everything that they left. They didn't leave anything, if you get my picture. They brought everything with them. So she was explaining to me when she came back, the way they got from one place to the other, they didn't walk single file like you do a lot of times because they didn't want to blaze a trail. The whole point was to leave nothing behind. So what they would do every day is they would spread out very like far away from each other, but to the point where they could hear each other. And then they had a compass bearer. And then the compass bearer would call out directions based upon their destination that they were going. And then they would give clues to each other or cues to each other on which way to face. And then they'd, they'd transverse for a little while. And then they would check in with the compass and their map and where they were going. And they would redirect each other, right? Kind of sounds like community. So they were walking. And they finally got to their destination. But what she was describing to me, she's like, it was very interesting. Because when I got there and experienced it and looked at the great expanse, I realized that there was absolutely no way I could get to my destination without relying on the compass and relying on each other. But they had to have the destination in view before they could set their course. They had to know where it was they were going. And you might not have ever done a trip like that. I've never done a trip like that. I wonder if I'd be able to survive it. Probably, you know. But we do navigate this city, right? You navigate this city. We all do. We go places. And we go places we're unfamiliar with, like Brooklyn or something. I have to preach at Union Square, and I was like, can I say Brooklyn? Half of them probably live in Brooklyn. I'm going to have to say something like the Bronx. But here, you guys be like, boo, we're from the Bronx. Anyway, but when you go to Brooklyn, right, and you're on the subway, and you get out from underground, you're disoriented because you're unfamiliar, right? You're not familiar with the buildings or the landmarks. So you sort of keep searching for something, a sign or some at like, well, there's the city over there, so that must be west. Like, you're trying to figure it out, but you're searching around because you're disoriented, and then you just kind of go with your gut. 
you're like, let me just walk. I'll just start walking. And you start walking, and after a while, you realize that the destination you're seeking isn't coming into view. And so you pull out your phone, and you seek out Google Maps, and the little blue dot shows you that you're totally off the mark. You, uh, you're absolutely, you've gone the wrong direction. But you creatively create this square path back because no true New Yorker backtracks on the same road they were just on, right? I mean, you're like, I know where I'm going. I live here. Somebody could be watching, yeah? But it's true that life can be disorienting. And we need direction. We want direction in life. We want to know where we're going. We want to know who we are. And we want to know if what we're investing in is making a difference. But we have to know our destination and then set our course in view of that destination. But we want direction in life. At our core, we want to know where we're going. We want to know this in our careers, in our relationships, in our families. We want to know what we are investing our time in. We want direction. And it's not an uncommon prayer request. In fact, we even had one here today asking for wisdom, wisdom for decisions, wisdom for career, wisdom for choices. Do I move? Do I not? We want direction in life. And I've told you guys before that um, prior to being in like full-time ministry vocationally, I was a ballroom dancer. So I got the chance to travel all around the country, not the world, that would have been awesome, but traveled all around the country and I got to um, work with all sorts of different kinds of people. So different cities, different types of people. I'd work with different choreographers or different clients or whatever, but they all had things about them that were needs or maybe opinions or whatnot that informed my decisions in my career. And they pretty much actually had a great deal of influence on where my career was going. But at each point along the way, I had the opportunity to make the choice about who I was going to be inside of my industry. I couldn't just take the cues from the industry standards. I had to have a, a standard that was different. I had to play by kind of a different rule book. And maybe that's true for you. Maybe you know that to be true in your career. And that's even maybe some of the things that you struggle with on a daily basis is maybe you're in theater or film or TV or, or fashion. Or maybe you're in finance or hedge funding. And I don't know what that is, but I know people do it here. Or you're in law or education. But we all make defining career choices. But in those defining career choices, we have to know who we are. And we have to know where we're going so that we can make those moment-to-moment -moment redirective choices to follow down the path. Because we don't want to end up in a situation where we're just floating along and we meander off course and we have that proverbial wake-up call one day and realize this is not actually the life that I wanted. We have to know where we're going. So what do we do? How do we know what the right choice is? How do we know the right direction? What if I told you in every decision you have two basic choices? One of two paths to take. You can go to the right or you can go to the left. Sounds simple, right? Just two choices. Only two directions to choose from. What if I told you that one path led to life and the other path led to destruction? Would it be hard to choose? Take a vote. Who in here would choose the path to life? Yeah? Who would choose the path to destruction? Anyone? No? No? Yeah, everybody looked around. You're like, oh, who's who raising their hand or not? Nobody, right? Of course we want to choose the path of life. But the question is, is where's the path? Could you show it to me? I don't know where it is. Well, 
that's how you get to there. We're going to take a look at what Jesus has to say about this very topic. So this series we've been in on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been walking us through a lot about how it is that we're to choose a path of life or what this path of life looks like. The whole thing is a description about it. So we're going to look now in uh, Matthew chapter 7. So you can turn there. Today's passage will be starting in verse 13 in your Bibles, or we're also going to have it on the screen for you here. But continue on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Two choices. Two ways. One to life. One to destruction. One is hard and narrow. One is easy and wide. One way will only be found by a few. And one way by many. But I think it's here that we can easily misread God's heart for us. When we read this scripture, we can see a statement like this and only see the exclusivity. That only a few will make it to life and many will make it to the path of destruction. And I think it's exactly here that we can get caught up in resisting to draw near to God because we're confused. How can he be so exclusive? How can a God who loves make a demand like this? Isn't he supposed to love everyone? The answer is yes. God does love all people. And he offers the way of life to all people. But we have to make a choice. To the right or to the left? Let's take a little God history in view. If we go back to the Old Testament, we can read about how God took the Hebrew people out of slavery and into freedom. And he rescued them. And he brought them on the journey to the promised land, a place of provision that he had set apart for them, that he described to them, and he guided them there. And because they were faithful, eventually, they followed God's direction, and they made it to their destination. So let's look at how God showed them away. Because we're thinking, okay, yeah, God signed me up. Show me. Exodus 13, 21 says, The Lord went ahead of them, and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. So God has always unfailingly led his people. And he still leads us today. He knows we need direction. His desire is to show us the way to his provision. He specifically and intentionally led the Hebrew people to freedom. And he specifically and intentionally leads us today. He is not interested in leaving us in the dark. That's right. But what if we don't know if we want to go God's way? What if we don't know if that's going to be good for us? What if going my own way seems better? Is God's way going to be more fun? Is it going to be better for me in the long run? Maybe I should just trust myself. Well, I think we should keep looking for answers in Scripture. So we're going to go to Isaiah 48, verse 17. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. 
In the Amplified Version, it says, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to profit or to benefit and who leads you in a way that you should go. So the author of good is God. He's the one who teaches us what is good for us. And he's the one that shows us how to be directed towards that good. He is our redeemer. Did you know that God wants you to benefit? That he wants you to profit? God wants to redeem you, to bring you out of the darkness and the confusion and into the light. And he wants to show you what is valuable and teach you how to choose it. This is the God we serve. He wants to show you how to love and to forgive and how to succeed. Psalm 1611, you will show me the way of life, granting me joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. And 23.3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's God's character to lead his people and to show them the way to restoration. In fact, this is the very reason why he sent Jesus, to restore our relationship to him. Humanity had gotten off track, but God wanted to restore us. He wants us to be on the path to life. That's his heart for us, and he made a forever provision for that in Jesus. This path choice, it's for everyone. No one is left out. John 3, 15 and 16, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone can choose the path to life. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And John 10, 9, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. It's true that Jesus is the only way to God and the eternal life that he promises us. This path is specific, but it's not exclusive. The way to life is available to all people, and God doesn't want you to miss out on the way. He is not interested in leaving you in the dark, but it requires something of us. The way of life requires faith in God. Faith in God being who he says he is, and doing what it is that he says he's going to do for us. Hebrews 11.6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God's heart is for you, and he knows the way. But we have to trust him. But the path is narrow. Narrow is the way leads to life. Narrow, meaning some things will not fit on this path. You cannot bring your old self with you. You cannot bring your baggage with you. It doesn't fit. You cannot keep your sin strapped onto your back and succeed moving forward. It's a long journey, but the destination is in view but you can only take the life, essential, sustaining things with you. Narrow. It means you're going to have to make some hard choices. Give some things up. Pay attention. Narrow means it could be risky. Kind of like walking along the side of a cliff of the Grand Canyon. You have to pay attention to where your foot falls. You surely wouldn't want to fall off the narrow path because you got careless. 
narrow means it's going to require some effort. And this is not a journey in a wide open plain. This life, this life is a mountain climb. It requires you to be ready, alert, fit, smart. Your life is at risk. But the view from the top is beautiful. And it's worth it. But you have to stay on the path. So that by this point, maybe you're saying, all right, I'll concede to the fact that God leads me. I agree that this path seems desirable, life over destruction. But how is it that I know that I'm on the narrow path of life? Again, we seek scripture for our answers. 1 John 2, 4 says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Hmm. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And that's what we've been talking about this entire Upside Down series. How do we live a life like Jesus? Heard directly from Jesus' own teaching in Matthews. In fact, I encourage you to reread the Sermon on the Mount, but in one sitting. And look at all the ways that Jesus describes how to live this life, how to live a life successfully. He talks about humility and mercy and purity. He talks about justice and persecution. He discusses how to handle anger and adultery and how to keep your word, how to live honorably. He also talks about how we're to live generously and to pray fervently. And he teaches us how to be true disciples of the way, how to be true followers of Jesus. There's great benefit, though, to being on the path to life, aside from the life eternal. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded to you. Follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Long and prosperous lives. A secure destination. Now, we want to be careful here because this is not prosperity gospel concept. This is a promise just like he made to the Hebrew people, that God is going to bring us to the land where he's promised us, that he's provided for us, that those who follow God through Jesus Christ, they're going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. Proverbs 11.5, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. So the promise is a straight path, meaning there will be a way through. So even when the circumstances seem like life is hunched up on our backs, our faith and our righteousness, our right living, is going to help smooth the way out, and there will be a path through in front of us. That's a good promise. Because the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. The enemy of your soul, the enemy of God, he wants you to believe that there is no way. That this is a dead end. Just go your own way. Figure it out yourself. You're smart enough. Isaiah 26, 7 through 8 says, But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right. And you smooth out the path ahead of them. Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. God is trustworthy. And he is working out the path in front of us. He's continually making a way for us when we live in obedience to God's desires for us. So if we're willing to do the hard work of laying down our selfish desires and picking up the life of Jesus, we're going to live in the promises of God. 
We will have the hope and forgiveness and love that comes with him. We will have direction and purpose and provision. But if we don't pick up the life of Jesus, there is going to be a price to pay. Let's look at Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 22. Slightly longer passage, but I want you to listen to the warnings. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you. We had brunch and you taught us in the streets. And he replies, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, to take their place in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who seem least important now will be the greatest then, and some who are the greatest now, they will be the least important then. Okay, this is one of those passages that you just want to skip right over. Because it makes you uncomfortable. You don't really know what to do with this. How does this line up with my view of who Jesus is? And we're not always sure that we want to accept the fact that not everyone gets the trophy or wins the prize or gets the reward. Sometimes in our culture we spend so much time not wanting to exclude anybody that everyone has to feel like a winner that we actually overlook the qualifications to win. We do that, right? We're so worried that someone will feel alienated. But we don't hold this view or value everywhere. In some places, we actually want a higher standard, proof of results, justice. We want the good to win and we want the bad to be punished. We want the athlete to excel and demonstrate their prowess. And we want our doctors and our lawyers and our accountants to know their stuff. God teaches us how to win. He shows us the standard. And the standard, it's Jesus. And Jesus warns us in this passage that we just read that in order to win, it will be not be enough to just know God. I know God. It will not be enough to just live a good moral life. It will not be enough to have gone to church and to have loved your family and to have served your community. It won't be enough. You have to know where you are going. And you have to choose the path that's going to get you there. And if where you want to go is with God, then you have to go through the gate of Jesus. But the way is narrow. And the road is hard. I don't know about you, but I want to go where Jesus is. I want to live in the presence of his love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his power. I want him to know my name and I want to be called his child. I want to be where Jesus is, so I will choose the narrow path. I will choose to lay down my pride and my selfishness and choose Jesus. I will choose to let go of my shame and step into my new identity, my heritage of being a redeemed child of God. I will choose to lay down my preferences, and I will trust that God's way is better for me and it's going to benefit me, understanding, like the Apostle Paul says, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
all my stuff won't fit on the path. Because where that path leads requires me to be a new creation. I can't bring all that stuff with me. It doesn't fit. I'm holy, set apart, called, purposed, submitted to my King Jesus. I want to be where Jesus is. So if you're with me on this, and this is the life that you want and that you're looking for, would you consider asking yourselves these three questions? Am I believing? Am I believing that God is who he says he is? Am I really believing that in my daily life, in my thought life, in my prayer life, in my choices? Do I believe that God's power is for me and that he will restore me to a right relationship with him? Am I believing? Am I trusting? Am I trusting that God loves me and that he really is working for my good? When I've lost my job or received bad news or my health is failing, even though I don't understand my circumstances, do I trust that God's heart is for me and that he's actively working? Am I trusting? Am I believing? Am I trusting? And thirdly, am I choosing to follow Christ? Am I choosing to follow Jesus? Am I walking in the way of life? Am I relying on Christ's grace to keep my foot steady on the path, to keep me sharp. And when life gets hard and I have to choose the easy way of the world or the narrow way of Jesus, do I choose Jesus? Do I choose Jesus in the decisions I make at work or in the way I conduct the purity of my relationships? Do I choose Jesus when I'm called to love my neighbor and pray for my enemy? Or when I have to lay down my life and give preferences to another? Am I choosing to follow Christ? Am I believing? Am I trusting? Am I choosing to follow Christ? Questions we can ask ourselves to stay on the path. Because you've got two choices. One leads to life and one leads to destruction. One way is hard and the other way is easy. One way leads to Jesus and all of the promises of God. And the cool thing about choosing life with Jesus is that when you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive a gift. And this gift is not just of eternal life, but of a helper. We have a helper. You receive a spiritual guide, so to speak, that will inform you and teach you wisdom and knowledge and give you direction. will show you where it is to place your foot on the narrow path each way. Every single day, you have a helper. And this helper, it's the Holy Spirit. God's spirit that lives inside of us. You see, you can't live this life on the straight and narrow on your own. That's another way of going your own way. That would be living under the law and not under grace. It's this idea that I see that straight and narrow and it's a challenge and I'm going to be the best one to be on that path. And we bring our arrogance with us and we bring our pride with us and we bring our performance with us. And that's not what God calls for. He says, leave all that stuff. It doesn't fit on the path. I'm making you a new creation. Trust me. Believe in me. Follow Jesus. He will show you the way. And in fact, he's going to give the ability to keep your foot steady on that path. So we don't have to live in fear thinking, I might miss the path. You won't miss the path if you keep turning your eyes to Jesus and keep following after him. And your foot will be steady along the way. We can't just go on our own. 
But maybe learning to listen to God's direction, it's a new concept for you or something that you'd like to get better at. Can I encourage you to join a community group? Because that's what we do together as believers is we learn what it is to listen to the voice of God, how it is to heed to the Holy Spirit, how it is to keep our foot on the straight and narrow. How can we help each other pay attention and not get careless? That's what community groups are all about. Learning how to do this together, learning how to read scripture, learning how to digest that for our lives and apply it practically to the way that we live, learning how to ask the hard questions and to seek scripture for the right answers. That's community. We encourage you to be a part of that. We're ending a season right now, but soon enough, we're going to start another season again, and there's always the opportunity to get connected and to be learning and to be seeking and to be living on the narrow path. Christ wants to be in your everyday. But maybe today you've never trusted Jesus with your life. That's okay. Or maybe at one point you did, but if you're honest, you feel like for whatever reason, you keep choosing your own way. Well, the, the good news is today is a good day because today you can change your course of direction. You can choose the path to life. You can re-navigate where your feet fall. You can use the Holy Spirit, much like that compass that my sister had to use, helping to point us to true north. So even when we're in the great expanse of life and we might feel a little bit lost, we can check in with the compass, turn our feet to true north, and walk on the path. And that's God's promise to us. He will keep us in the way of everlasting. But if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, I really encourage you to ask yourself these three questions. Am I believing in who God says he is? Am I trusting that he's working for me? And am I ready to follow Jesus? It's that simple. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.